Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Hub. This is actually part two of our Holy Spirit series. And uh, I have literally entitled tonight's sermon exactly what it is, Holy Spirit Gifts. Who's excited by that thought? Great, then you're in the right place. So won't you turn with me to Acts chapter three? We're gonna start reading from Acts chapter three, verse one. Acts chapter three, verse one. And I am in control of these slides tonight. Let's hope that works well. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple of the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. What a beautiful demonstration of the gift of the Holy Spirit. So awesome. But let's think about what's actually happening here. This is Acts chapter three. Who remembers what happened in Acts chapter two? The Holy Spirit was poured out. <laughs> what was Marcia saying? <laughs> Never mind. All of us. Um, the Holy Spirit was poured out. But when we start reading the story, we need to remember something. This is Peter and John, just two men. Just two human beings, just two simple Christian believers who were very freshly, very recently baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just like you and I. And what do they do? They step out in courage. They step out in faith, believing that the Holy Spirit will partner with them. They step out in community with each other and with a man in need. And when that happens, there's a miracle. A lame man from birth stands up and begins to walk and leap and to praise God for his goodness. Do you want to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Okay, let's try that again. Do you want to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Absolutely. To do that, though, we're going to have to embrace three things. We're going to have to embrace partnership with God. We're going to have to embrace courage, a little bit of boldness. And we also have to embrace community. So in Acts chapter 3, as we've just read, it says, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you see the issue of moving in supernatural Holy Spirit gifts has got way less to do what I don't have and way more to do with what I do have. You see, these two men, they, they didn't have silver and gold. What did they have? an encounter with Jesus Christ. They walked with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They saw what he did. And then they saw him die on that cross. 
And then they saw him resurrected. See, they knew what they had. They were convinced of what they did have. And Jesus, in John 20, verse 29, says this. He says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and I. Peter and John saw Jesus die, and then they saw him resurrected. They couldn't help but believe. When you see somebody you love who was dead, who claimed to be the, the son of God, walk out of his grave, you believe. <laughs> you and I have not seen that physically. Jesus is saying here that we are a little greater because our faith stretches further than Peter and John's. Now think about that for a second. We've, they are apostles in the Bible. They are disciples of Jesus Christ. But our faith stretches a little further than theirs. They are standing here at the temple gate healing a lame man, trusting for his healing. That took faith. But your and my faith stretches further than theirs because we believed in Jesus Christ without having seen. Can you heal somebody at the gate beautiful? Yes. <laughs> you see, in the spiritual culture of their day, Peter and John had so much that they didn't have. <laughs> they were so wrong. They were not rabbis. They were not priests. They weren't even leaders. Up until a few days ago, they were just normal Jewish men. And here they are, moving in the power of God. You see, Romans 2 verse 11 says, for there is no respect of persons with God. Now, this doesn't mean that God doesn't respect people. <laughs> what God is saying here is that when God looks at us, all he sees is our faith. It doesn't matter whether we're a king, priest, prophet. It doesn't matter how rich or poor we are. It doesn't matter if we finish reading the whole Bible from cover to cover. Do it in any case, but it doesn't matter to him. What matters to him is our faith. What he sees when he looks at us is our willingness to submit to him, is our willingness to look like fools for him, is our willingness to give him everything we are. You see, too many of you are sitting in this room tonight thinking, well, one day when I'm holy, one day when I'm 100% pure, one day you fill in the blank. God doesn't care. But you are robbing yourself of an experience with God that is vital, that the world needs, that you need. So many of you, when we did our What on Earth Am I Here For, we loved that. Why? Because it was all about purpose. Well, this is your purpose, to manifest God's power on earth. And God doesn't care. All he wants is your faith. Will you give it to him? 1 Corinthians 14 verse 5 says, now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Paul says, now I want you all to speak in tongues. There is nothing about the scripture where Paul is anti-tongues or against tongues. In fact, Paul says earlier in, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. He says, I want all of you to speak in tongues. How inclusive is all? So quickly look around this room. All of you, 
doesn't mean the circle ends at row nine and then everybody else is excluded. It's all of you. Why does he want us to speak in tongues? Because when we study the Bible, we understand that the prayer language of tongues, which is a devotional gift between me and God, it edifies our inner man. What does the word edify mean? It means to build up. Who feels like they need some more faith in their life? You better be praying in tongues. But what Paul is saying is praying in tongues is great because it builds us up as individuals. But then he says, and the all in the beginning applies to prophecy as well. What does it say? Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. I want all of you to even prophesy more than you speak in tongues. Why? Because the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks tongues. Now, if you look to scriptures before that, why? Because prophecy edifies the body. Prophecy edifies the church, but it also edifies the unbeliever. Prophecy is actually for the unbeliever. It really is, way more than for the church. So when I pray in tongues, what happens inside my spirit, when I prophesy, that's what happens in your spirit. When you prophesy to me, that helps my spirit grow and get bigger. And again, it's all. I want to help you tonight. I want to disabuse you of myths. Roger and I were laughing and we came up with the word, you know, sometimes prophecy is so mystical. So we want to make it mystical and kill all the myths. Mystical. I'm not listening. (laughs) Prophecy is for anybody and everybody who wants it. Like all the gifts. Now, yes, there are certain people whose calling and destiny requires them to be in a higher level, and we call that the the office of the prophet, the fivefold gift of the prophet. Those people are few and rare. Everybody else up to and including them should prophesy. Jim LaFoon says this. He's a recognized fivefold prophet in our house. If you haven't seen him, look him up on YouTube. He is fantastic. He's a portly southern man with a big red mustache, and he is historically funny, and he's one of the most mystical prophets I have ever had the, the good fortune to be around. But Jim LaFoon says this. He says, prophets prophesy. You show me a prophet who isn't prophesying, and we need to rip up a business card. It's as simple as that. But like I said, up from the newest Christian up until Jim LaFoon, every Christian should prophesy. And the issue there is about, it's not about the authority to prophesy, it's about the authority of where I prophesy into. Every Christian has the authority to prophesy into other people's lives. Why? Because prophecy is for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Prophecy is a manifestation of God's love. If you have ever walked away from a prophetic moment feeling scared, horrified, guilt-ridden, shame-ridden, or like you need to kill yourself, that I don't care how accurate anything that was said was, that was not God. The whole point of prophecy is what? To build up the body. Do you need a prophet to tell you what your sin is? You know what your sin is. I mean, if I went, there's sin in the room, I would be absolutely right. But all that would happen is, most of us would just go to, oh, darn it, we swore a little bit in traffic last week. Maybe one of you committed adultery, maybe one of you murdered somebody, but that's all that happened. We would just go to our last sin. Now what? 
It takes a prophet to declare the purposes of God over your life. It takes a prophet to tell you who God is in you and who you are in him and who you go to to have your sin washed away. It takes a prophet to declare to you that you are no longer under the yoke of sin or the bondage of sin. It takes a prophet to tell you that there is an opportunity for your shame to die and end right now. That takes a prophet. And this nonsense where we use prophecy to scare and manipulate and demand things from people has to stop. And I will tell you how it's gonna stop. It will stop when we as the people of God refuse to submit to lies. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are God's love in action. Love, love, love. It's not about power. It's not about fame and fortune. It's not about making yourself rich. In my life, I have been offered money to prophesy. I will not take it (laughs) because it is a free gift. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are gifts. They are not rewards. We don't work ourselves up for them. We simply receive the grace of God. We believe that he is as good as he says he is, and they manifest. Do not pray for prophecy. Do not, because you're gonna hear a man's idea of what you want to hear. It's as simple as that. Plus, in this house, we have created a prophetic culture. Who are members of the prophetic team in this house? Let's see that first. Great, so there's a few people here. Who has completed hearing God's voice in this house? A lot more of you. You can all prophesy, and you do. And so if you need a word, just come to the front, somebody will give you one. (laughs) You get to judge how good it is, how relevant it is, that's your business, but we are gonna try our darndest to give you a good word. Are, Are you getting what I'm saying? It's for all of you. It is not for the chosen frozen. And here's our problem with prophecy, is I know in Tando, I've seen him cry, I've heard him swear, no, I'm, no, never. And so when he comes to me and says, I I have a word for you, Greg, suddenly all my little human arrogance manifests, doesn't it? How dare this fallen vessel say something to God for for me? (laughs) Ntando prophesied over me on Friday morning, and it was powerful, and it was convicting, and it was confirming, and it made me so excited for what God God is going to do in my next season, because it's a gift. And if I reject him, if I reject the minister, I'm rejecting God. You know, once God prophesied through a donkey because nobody else was available and God wanted to get his word across, so he used a donkey. So he can use you. And so partnering with God, this is how we move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is not me, it is not you, but it requires my faith. Here's something I struggled with about three years ago. I was really struggling. Lord, I stand on the stage and I speak forth the oracles of God. Who am I to do that? And I was struggling and I was saying, but God, but God. And then eventually the Lord said to me, Greg, I require of you and every Christian an audacious humility. The audacity is, I'll do it. (laughs) The difference between arrogance and audacity is this. Arrogance says, I can do anything, and I will do anything. Audacity says, I can do it. I mean, I can really give it a bash. I'm going to 
could try. Yeah, I can do it. But the humility is I cannot prophesy unless God is speaking. The humility is I cannot prophesy unless the Holy Spirit, I am in relationship with him and I can hear him. And it's the same for every one of us. And I want to say this, if you see these powerful men and women on the front row, our pastors and leaders here, there are people in your life we will never encounter. There are opportunities in your life because of where you are that we will never, ever come across. And we're going after the gifts. We're going after faith. But there's a space in your life where you are the one. You are it. You are the only hope there. And I'm not trying to scare you or put pressure on you. I'm trying to get you excited. Because that means there's an opportunity to partner with God. Now, here Paul says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who prays in tongues. But the issue of gifts is, what is the best gift? Okay, we're all going to say prophecy. Yes, Paul says that. But the reality is, what is the best gift? It's the one that's needed in front of you. (laughs) Peter and John didn't prophesy over the lame man. They didn't discern his spirit. They didn't give him a word of knowledge of where to find food. They looked at his need and they said, stand up. And he stood up. And that is because they were willing to partner. Are you getting this? Look at your, your, the person next to you and you're gonna speak to them but you're really speaking to yourself. You say, are you gonna partner? Because <laughs> that is all that is required. You are partnering with the God of the universe the God of all power. Is, where's Takunda? Come up, bro. So we're gonna, we're gonna demonstrate some partnering, okay? Yeah, let's give him a hand. Thanks, Santando. So this afternoon, I freaked this young man out, and I sent him a message saying, bro, are you gonna be at service tonight? He made the mistake of saying yes. And then I said, okay, we're gonna demonstrate... Uh, tongues and interpretation. And I've heard him pray in tongues and it's powerful. And so I've asked him to trust the Lord for a word in tongues. So let's just talk about this. So prophecy, strictly speaking, is declaring forth who God is, what he wants. It's about God. It's declaring what God wants to do, okay? Tongues and interpretation of tongues in that list is not the devotional gift of tongues. The prayer language of tongues, the devotional gift of tongues, the only audience is God. It's none of your business what the person next to you is praying in tongues. Absolutely none. So I have heard recently of somebody leaving a church because they didn't interpret prayer language. That's nonsense. Prayer language, God understands. It's none of your business. Stop listening. However, if somebody stands on the stage or stands right in front of you and starts going, it doesn't make any sense to you, does it? Either they're crazy, scared, they might just be foreign, but, um, but you're not gonna get any value from it. <laughs> I mean, that could, that could be the case. And so the list in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12 of the gifts, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, is this. It's basically a supernatural word that comes in a language we cannot understand, and then somebody has to interpret. Now, I realize it doesn't say translate. It says interpret. Because if he repeated God is love in 17 languages we didn't know, who knows we could interpret till next year what that means for our lives. So I have no idea what's gonna come forth. I'm gonna interpret. This is a partnership. We're partnering with each other and we're partnering with the Holy Spirit. 
So put your faith out. When you're ready, bro, go for it. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Amen. So I just heard the Lord saying, I'm bringing revival to your heart. I'm stirring up a fresh faith in every single one of you. I am causing my life to so enter your life that wherever you go, you will know that you are the salt of the earth, that you are the light of the world, that you carry me in you and with you, that not a thing that comes your way, that nothing that faces you, you will quail at or you will cower at because I am the strength of your heart, says the Lord. Amen. Awesome, bro. Let's give him a hand. So that's partnership. The second thing we see in the story is courage. Oh, just another proof. John 7, 38, verse 39. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Whoever, do you believe in Jesus Christ? You are whoever. So start partnering with God and see stuff happen. So the next thing we need is courage. And I love this bit in the story, Acts 3, 4 to 5. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Now, how much courage does it take? Look at me. Look at me. I think what's happening there is Peter is actually building his own faith. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say to somebody. I think Peter's like, okay, God wants to do something. I better be courageous. You look at me now. We're going to be courageous together. And so Peter takes the risk. He doesn't hide. It's not anonymous. It's not weird. He just steps up there and says, look at me. Something's going to happen. And, and I love how it says that. And he fixed his attention on expecting to receive something from him. What was he expecting to receive? Some loose change. Just some throwaway compassion. We know about that in Joburg, don't we? I'm always a bit like, oh, Don, I don't have change in my wallet. <laughs> but it's nothing. It's not really going to fix the problem, is it? And that's all this man is expecting. And then Peter says to him, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I'm going to get you. And what that man didn't understand is he was going to get a million times more in Jesus than what he was expecting to get. And that takes courage. That takes courage. And it takes courage because you see, the world right now doesn't actually know what they need. They know what they want. They know what they desire. But they don't know what they need. And this has been a problem in my life because I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to offend anybody. You know what? I don't want to, like, be weird. <laughs> well, this we have to get over. The supernatural is awkward. It's supernatural. It's freaky and it is weird. It's awesome, and afterwards it's amazing, but it's freaky and it's weird. 
So I don't know if you remember, um, Sabiba went through a very awkward stage where he tried to pray for everybody he ever saw who was sick. And being his friend was really awkward because no matter where we went, there was a moment I was just like, no sick people today, Jesus. I'm gonna just be really honest because I was not as mature or as faithful as Sabiba. And we were at... Um, and Melrose Arch the one night, and we met for dinner, and we had a chat, and there were no sick people. It was amazing, and we could just chat and focus on each other. And then we're going down the escalator to the parking lot, and I look, and there in front of me are three young Muslim men in all the garb, the full thing, and one of them is on crutches. And literally in my heart, I am like, oh my God, no, 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 Jesus. Do you remember this? And I am ashamed to say, like, Siv went ahead and I hid behind the ticket thing. I mean, I prayed, but it wasn't really for them or for him. It was just for me. But this is the thing that struck me. Siv just stepped out. He said, hey, bro, what happened? And this kid was like, I was playing soccer and I ripped my something or other and now I have to be on crutches forever and it's just crazy. And they were so, like, open. And then he just said what he said. He said, you know, sometimes I pray for people and they get healed. Can I pray for you? And the kid was like, yeah. And I can't actually remember what happened. I think it got better. I think he did get healed. But the thing that struck me was we are carrying treasure in clay jars. We are carrying what the world needs, and we are too scared to offend somebody. That kid was so open. As I was thinking about this, I don't know if you've heard of this idea of treasure hunting. It's something from Bethel Church, and really all it is is, is evangelizing in a supernatural way. So you sort of get prophetic ideas and words of knowledge about somebody in a red jersey with green shoes, and then you look for them, and when you find them, you tell them, look, I was praying, and this is what happened, and you are that person. And I've done that a few times. I am not an evangelist backside. Let's just get straight honest there. I'm way more prophetic at all of that, but I, evangelism has always been a problem. But doing this thing really opened up a space to then prophesy, but then to point them to Jesus. In the hundreds of people I've done this to, only one person ever looked at me and said, when I, can I pray for you? I said, no, I don't want to, and walked away. One. And I think there was more, it said more about them than it did about me. <laughs> Every other person, regardless of their status, of their beliefs, said yes. You know what it really is? This is about love. The world is not encouraged. Loneliness is an epidemic today. We're communicating more with other people than we ever have in our lives, and we are less known by other people than we have ever been in our history. And we have such a great opportunity to get right into people's space and let them know that they are loved, that they are seen by God, and that they are valued. And it takes courage, of course it does, but we have to do it. Let me tell you a failure story. So long story short, I was uh, at, with friends at, a, at, at the cinema. They just started the whole new electronic system. For most of you, you just think that's how movies have always been. But I remember going to the zone and they just put the new system in where you helped yourself and did all the thing, and it was not working. You know, who knows how technology goes? And the poor night manageress was just in such a state. So eventually things started flowing and got going. So I went over to her and I said, wow, it's been so crazy. I said, I'm a pastor and sometimes God speaks to me. Can I pray for you? So I prayed for her. And I'm really going after words of knowledge. So I'm trying to get like, good at words of knowledge. And back then I was not nearly as good as I am now, but I need to get a lot better. Any case, long story short. So I said to her, I, just, I really sense like there's conflict in your family. And she goes, no, it's at work. <laughs> Any case. She says, but carry on. 
And then this beautiful word just came through. And at the end, I said to her, so are you willing, would you be willing to just say thank you to Jesus for sending this crazy Mlungu across your path to just bless you tonight? And she said, you know, I haven't prayed in a long time. I said, God doesn't care, but it's really good to say thanks. And she prayed and she said, thank you. And for the first time in a long time, she prayed. And then she looked at me with tears in her and she just said, wow, that was awesome. And I know she went home and she started praying again. And I got it wrong. She didn't care because she felt love. Strengthening encouragement and comfort. This is the issue. And just to really hammer the point home, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is worth us being awkward. It is worth us coming across a little weird if somebody knows that God sees them and loves them. And do tell them that it's God. That's something I learned early on. It's not me. I'm not, what's his name? John Edward. (laughs) I am a child of God and he speaks to me. And then lastly, community. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. As I've said before, gifts are not rewards. They are not for my benefit, they are for other people's benefit. They are a blessing to me and they can enhance my life and my relationship with God, but they are not about me. They are not so I can be famous. Gifts are God's love in action. In fact, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are literally a demonstration of heaven on earth. Why? Because what are the gifts? The gifts are solutions to problems we cannot solve in our own strength. You go look at that list. Prophecy, tongues and interpretations. Who is God? What is my value? What is my purpose? There's lack. There's massive lack in the world around those things, isn't there? That's why we see people doing such desperate things. Well, if I move in those three, I'm going to deal with identity. Discerning of spirits, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. What is that about? Why is this not working in my life? What's going on? How do I get better? Those three will sort that out straight away. They give you strategy. They give you wisdom. They give you insight into yourself and into the world around you so you can make better decisions. And then faith, healings, and miracles. The doctors can't help me. We've done everything. I have done everything I can do, and now there is nothing. Those three come into play, and your life changes, and the world changes. And we are the partners of God who bring them. And this is community. Gifts cannot and never will be a sign of my spiritual maturity or of how holy I am. They are gifts, not rewards. And I want to tell you this. They are gifted, gifted people who are bereft on the inside. I've been there. I wasn't the gifted, gifted person. I was sort of gifted and very bereft on the inside. And one day the Lord just challenged me and he said, Greg, sometimes your gift operates because I love that person so much. Their faith is activating your gift. And what I have learned in 30 years of being a Christian is that I am responsible for my own character before God. If I, if I go, man, I prophesied up a storm, well, great, but where am I with God? My relationship with God is mine. And he has a very scary scripture to help us remember that, and it's something I think about a lot. 
On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? We would all think that person was the holiest thing on the planet. This is what Jesus says to them. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's because my relationship with Jesus is my business and God will not be fooled and God will not be manipulated. God knows. And so if we're going after the gifts, we better go after the giver. Maybe just a little more than the gift, hey? I wrote you, all anointing proves to me is that God is good and that he will use any vessel to bless and love his people. And then as I was reading that, that story we read in the beginning, it really struck me, what would have happened if he wasn't healed? And when I thought about it, I thought, you know what, he'd feel loved. He'd feel recognized. There's nobody else at the, at the gate beautiful talking to him. There's nobody else saying, look me in the eyes. He, didn't, he wasn't even expecting healing. He was expecting some loose change. And so what if the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit is actually just love? What if the most supernatural thing you and I can do for someone every day is to make them feel seen and valuable by value to God? Hey? And this is how Paul writes. If you want to know more about the gifts, you need to study 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. Chapter 12 lists the gifts and explains how the Holy Spirit gives them and then explains how each of us has our own part to play in the body of Christ, how each of us is valuable through our faith and our uniqueness and what we bring. And then chapter 14 explains prophecy and tongues a lot more and how they function and why they're powerful and how we should go after them. But between chapter 12 and chapter 14 is what? Chapter 13. And that is the love chapter. So many of us have heard it at weddings, we've stopped reading it. <laughs> but this is supernatural divine love. And this is the point. If you want to grow in the gifts, you access them by faith through love. I've realized in my life, if I don't love the person I'm about to minister, everything's just about me. I'm just trying to prove something about myself. I'm just arrogant and nasty. <laughs> and that person might be blessed, but I won't be. And 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8 says this. It says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails. And just to explain what that's meaning, it's not about dispensationalism. When we are in heaven, we know everything. We are fully encouraged. There is no lack. <laughs> Up until that moment, we need all the gifts. Why? Because I just explained what those categories of gifts do. And so until that moment, we need them. But love goes on forever. It never, ever fails. And so now we're going to really test uh, trust for the Holy Spirit to demonstrate. Are you ready? Because you're going to be doing a whole lot. Look at the person next to you and say, here we go. <laughs> you said you were going to partner. Now you're going to partner. So I'm going to just ask the leaders to come up. We're going to just be very spontaneous now. The one thing I really felt like the Lord wanted to do, I wanted to activate something around miracles, faith and miracles. Um, so right now we're not going to do healing but I want, if there are people in this room, and please just let's be honest, all of us need God and we all need stuff. And so what I felt was there's some people in this room who need miracles. And I felt specifically around provision and around breakthrough. Maybe both of it. If that is you, can you stand up right now and come down the front? 
Yeah, no shame. Come on, let's give them a hand. Yeah. Great, so come down to the front. Now, while they're coming to the front, as I've been speaking, I felt faith sparking in hearts. If you felt faith sparking in your heart, if you felt like, man, I need more of that, I want you to come down and you're gonna lay hands on people in the front here. Come on, guys, come, come. No fear, we're partnering. Courage. Courage, community, and partnership. Come on, come on. You know faith is in your heart. If you're scared, that means you've got faith. Because <laughs> you know God can do something. So come on. So maybe the people who are being prayed for, just lift your hands up a little bit. <laughs> and the people who are doing praying, come and squeeze in amongst them. Get, get community. Come, come. Make some space. Find somebody. You can lay hands on two people at the same time. You're not going to ask them anything. You're not going to speak to them. You're going to just start asking the Lord to do a miracle, to bring provision and to bring breakthrough. There we go. So Holy Spirit, we are trusting you for miracles this evening, Lord. You promise that if we, if we ask in faith, you will answer. And God, we're at the end of ourselves. God, we are at the end of the road. We don't know where to look and we don't know what to do. But we know that you are the God of the breakthrough. We know that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. We know that you have endless provision. Let your faith grow. Let your faith grow. Tell God that he's good. Tell yourself that God is good. Come on, speak it out. You are good God. You are good God. You are good God. Declare he's the God of the breakthrough. Declare He is the God of provision. And so Jesus, we, we ask You right now to pour out the breakthrough, to pour out the provision. And just where you are, begin to receive. Just begin to receive. Don't listen to the lies. Don't listen to the excuses. Just begin to receive. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Nothing can hinder. Nothing can hold back. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. 